What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same as Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's episode, it's all things trade rumors, trade speculation, trade excitements. I have gone to the rumor mills, scoured them for the latest info surrounding your Portland Trailblazers, and I'll bring it to you here as promised. We are, as I am recording this, officially one month away from the February 8th trade deadline. You are listening to Tuesday, February 9th, or excuse me, Tuesday, January 9th show. Appreciate you. Let's, let's get into all the trade stuff, talking Malcolm Brogs and talk Jeremy Grant. We'll talk Jonathan Kaminga a little bit too, because I know many of you are thirsty for Jonathan Kaminga trade ideas. I've seen the email inbox. JK's got you excited. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But first, a little bit of news up front. Uh, the Blazers announced today that Moses Brown has a fractured left wrist and he's set to have surgery and he will be a timeline determined for his return will be determined after the surgery. Uh, just quick research on this. Lamella Ball s- sustained a similar in- injury in 2021, missed about five weeks. Nas Reed... Uh, same injury last year at the end of March heading into the playoffs. He was slated to miss six weeks, but the uh, T-Wolves season ended before, uh, ended about four weeks later, four and a half weeks later. So he didn't get back, uh, didn't have a chance to get back on the court. So I would say look for that classic four to six week, week turnaround for Mo Brown following surgery stinks for him. Um, it means like he's just, you know, he's, Blazers kept him on the team, so he got his money. Happy for him to get that guaranteed contract, assuming that he's on the team for a couple more days and his contract becomes fully guaranteed. I believe it will. And uh, bummer for him because you just you want him to stay healthy. Uh, Blazers' uh, already thin front court remains thin with DeAndre Ayton still hurt. And uh, it's Duop Reef and Ibu Baji time. Um, Duop's been fun. Baji's fun. Blazers aren't very good up front right now, but they have some uh, entertaining options as they as they continue to press forward. That's your latest news. Uh, let's let's start with Malcolm Brogdon. Then we'll talk a little Jonathan Kaminga. Then we'll talk about uh, Jeremy Grant and kind of what I think the Blazers might end up doing. But Brogdon, if you're a longtime listener to the podcast or a regular listener to the podcast, or as we call you here every day, or shout out to my everydayers, I appreciate your listening. We do it Monday through Friday, so you can make it part of your daily routine and listen. And then you'd you have heard me say this is that I think the Blazers basically have to trade Malcolm Brogdon. Because they've got players behind him that need playing time. And like we saw this specifically against the Nets on Sunday is that the Blazers needed to win a game and Chauncey Billups turned to Malcolm Brogdon to help him win a basketball game. And that's like good coaching because they did up end up winning and Malcolm Brogdon had eight points in overtime. But just the fact that it isn't Scoot Henderson you're making that choice for, it's like, what is the point of this season? It's about development. Um, the, the Blazers need a win in the worst way. So I don't really fault uh, Billups for doing that. And at some point you just coach the roster you have. So what the Blazers got to do is give him a different roster so he can play Scoot and play Anthony Simons and play Shaden Sharp and get them all sort of the you know 35 plus minutes and just go for it and have this and have those combos play together etc etc so I, I think that's important for the remainder of the season so I think it's important that they trade Malcolm Brogdon also just like armchair psychiatrist stuff I don't think Malcolm Brogdon's had great uh, body language the last couple weeks I'm sure he's ready to go play on a better team and from the some of the reporting better teams are according him according to I don't think they're courting him that is that just sounded good, but it's nonsense. That's not what. That's not what's happening. At least one good team is considering 
or likely considering making a push. According to Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, who reported this uh, January 5th, that the New York Knicks are likely to explore deals uh, to upgrade the roster that would almost certainly include Malcolm Brogdon of the Portland Trailblazers. Um, the week of Christmas, when when the when the Knicks kind of got uh, got trade season started by making the move for OG and Anobi, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski kind of d- did some reporting on, on on the various ESPN television and web programs, mostly TV that I, I watched, end up watching on YouTube on on NBA Today. That the Knicks were looking for another sort of creator, veteran creator type who could help them, who wouldn't have long term money. Well, Brogdon has this re- season and one remaining. It's not long term money. It's relatively reasonable at twenty two million bucks, and he would certainly fit that mold. Uh, and also Woj mentioned that like there's uh, there's just not going to be a lot of sellers at the trade deadline. It's a lot of buyers, but not a lot of sellers. Uh, this isn't a super sexy draft class. So there aren't a bunch of teams that are like, hey, let's not finish in the play-in. Let's make sure we lose. There, there you know, there's not going to teams chasing ping pong balls necessarily. So it's going to be more teams in the hunt for longer. When there's more teams in the hunt for longer, there's just more, more. It's there's more buyers in the market. That that probably benefits the Blazers to some extent because they are likely to be sellers, and Brogdon is someone they would try to sell. But it means that they are going to drive up the asking price. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski, um, it doesn't mean that nothing's going to happen. It just means that because the asking price is going to be high from the limited number of teams asking to sell, it could be it could be less action than we've seen in years past. But the, but he he thinks there'll still be activity at the trade at the trade deadline regardless. So um, specifically with the Knicks and as as it as their interest in Malcolm Brogdon has reported by Jake Fisher and like speculated openly by a million people who have access to trade machine across and and can look at NBA rosters across the world uh, the Knicks have four of their own first round picks and four first round picks owed to them from various other teams from from prior trades including Detroit and Dallas like they've got first round picks to trade whether they want to cash those in for Malcolm Brogdon and, or they want to hold them out for amorphous future star remains to be seen but if, if the Knicks wanted to get involved there's a very simple very simple trade idea evan fournier plus a first uh, i i think fournier has a a team option on his contract for next season so he's essentially an expiring contract he makes enough money to make the trade legal but not enough money to, to the blazers would save a little bit of money but more importantly they wouldn't go into the tax line uh, by making the roster decisions they made they're about four million dollars below the tax line so it's important that they don't take back more than four million bucks in any trade they're making because they do not want to end up a tax team or they won't end up a tax team i think moreover so fournier plus a first works that works for malcolm brogdon that isn't what i would pursue i'm not in charge i'm um, a, a man in his basement who uh has a, has a series of curved brim hats he wears while while recording a podcast, but um, I I would not prioritize the financial flexibility that Fournier gives. I would want a player that you could at least take a flyer on. The first round pick, sexy if it's the Pistons' first round pick, whew, uh, it's protected, so you wouldn't you're not going to get the first pick in the draft or whatever. But like you could a future first, the Dallas pick maybe has some maybe has some appeal. Even the Knicks' own pick in this upcoming draft has some appeal. I, I would maybe say, hey, give me well, how about a 2025 unprotected pick for Brogdon or lightly protected, say top top ten protected. So you, you end up you know a Knicks pick that's probably not going to be in the top 10 next year anyways because they're a pretty good basketball team you end up getting their pick outright at 22 again or whatever it is i think that's like fair compensation for brogdon as i mentioned in the past i think something like the josh hart package is a reasonable ask for brogdon which is a young player you take a flyer on cam reddish and a first or a lightly protected first round pick which it, uh, the blazers took uh chris murray 23rd overall it's 
totally reasonable package. I think that, that Brogdon would get the same deal. Fournier just gets you out from under the money and you can move into the future without, um, you know, with a little bit of more financial wiggle room. But like, if I'm trading Brogdon, I want a player that could potentially help in the future. That's what I want. That's that's what myself and my various dad hats wants. So I've cooked up my preferred Malcolm Brogdon trade. The other obvious suitor with anyone with trade machine and ability to view NBA rosters, which I am. I actually have access to the internet right here in this very basement. I can view NBA rosters. I follow the league relatively closely, and I know that the the Orlando Magic need a point guard. That's their that's their area of weakness. Um, Jalen Suggs might make an all-defensive team. He's really good. Uh, Marco Fultz, I just can't get healthy with consistency. Cole Anthony is your classic score-first, go-for-it type of guard. They need a lead guard, a true point guard, and maybe someone who could who could take some of the scoring pressure off of Paolo Banker a little bit, who's been awesome on the Magic's West Coast trip. And as a side note, I love when an East Coast team goes on a West Coast trip because after bedtime in my house, when I put my young child to bed, then I can watch the Magic like three nights in a week. It's incredible. Easy peasy. Don't have to watch them on record. So I think the Magic are obvious suitors. Obvious suitors for, it should be in the point guard market. A lot of people want to connect Anthony Simons to the Magic and sure, go for it. Um, not my, not my, I wouldn't priority, for right now, I don't think the Blazers need to trade Anthony Simons. I, I think at some point it might come up, but I do not think it is in the next four weeks. I, I just, that is not how I view their situation whatsoever. Reasonable minds can disagree. So my favorite Malcolm Brogdon trade I've cooked up right here. Wendell Carter Jr. and Gary Harris for Malcolm Brogdon and Moses Brown. No draft compensation because you're getting the flyer on Wendell Carter Jr. Um, the, the, Gary Harris has been a really solid vet for for the Magic, and maybe the Blazers can see what he's um, what the future might be with him. But he's he also has expiring money. But Wendell Carter is on a reasonable contract. This this money uh, this trade keeps the Blazers below the tax line. Uh, you don't have to ha- haggle for for picks because you're getting a 24-year-old center with upside. The Magic have been leaning on Mo Wagner. They've been leaning on Goga Batadze. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is having a down season. He has had trouble staying healthy, and the Magic have priorities to be good right now. Uh, there was a report from Mark Stein on January 5th, that's last Friday as, I, as I'm recording this, that there was belief from... Uh, teams outside of the Magic, uh, rival organizations, but team, te- teams who have been contacting the Magic that they thought that potentially uh, Wendell Carter could be available via trade, is that the Magic would be willing to listen to offers for Wendell Carter. And and for my money, taking a flyer on a, a, a versatile, at least in theory, a versatile on both ends, big like Wendell Carter, who's shown some flashes of being a very good young player. And... Uh, you move forward with him under contract for several seasons at 24 who can provide depth behind Aiden who can, um, you know, if Aiden's going to miss time, like grow with it. You can make grow with the team, make decisions and all those things. Wendell Carter, Gary Harris for Brogdon and Moses Brown. That's, that is my preferred uh, trade. And don't say I've never gone to the trade machine. Some of you think that I hate the trade machine. I just, uh, I make them when they count. I'm like Shaq and free throws, make them when they count. Okay. Let's talk Jonathan Kaminga. He doesn't want to play for Steve Kerr anymore. Could the Blazers maybe get involved in what might that look like? Let's talk about that in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've thought about starting therapy, maybe consider giving BetterHelp a try. Therapy can be really useful for developing the tools you need to be your best self. Uh, Therapy can be super helpful. You just need to talk to someone with a, a you know, a trauma in your life, an acute traumatic event, but it can also be helpful just 
getting better at navigating the day-to-day world that we live in. And, and having a therapist, having having conversations regularly with a therapist can help you develop the tools you need to start improving how you go about interacting with the world. So if you want to develop those tools, if you want to work towards improving yourself or improving your experiences, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely on- online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime, no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash MBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash NBA. All right. So Malcolm Brogdon might have suitors, and there might not be a lot of buyers on the market. Blazers might be one of the, or it might be not a lot of sellers on the market. Blazers might be one of the few sellers because a lot of teams might be buying. One of those teams that might be buying, but in a curious way, is the Golden State Warriors. It came out last week, late last week, in a report from The Athletic Shamstrani and Anthony Slater that, that Jonathan Kaminga had basically lost faith in Steve Kerr giving him the minutes and playing time and role to better suit to best suit his career. Um <laughs> it's it is I'm laughing because when a player of Jonathan Kaminga's caliber goes to the media to be like, trade me. Okay, they might, they might not, but at least you complained uh, behind the scenes. Good for you, or good for your team, good for your agency uh, to to go ahead and complain behind the scenes. I will say, John the Kaminga deserved to play more. Steve Kerr has has a, a, a tough road to travel with veterans that he feels like he owes for the things that they've done over the last decade versus young players and they're trying to be good and they're blah 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 blah. Um, has Kerr handled it well? Probably not but uh, Kaminga complaining or Kaminga's folks complaining in the media is funny to me. Nonetheless, Jonathan Kaminga's 21. He's big. He can play both forward spots. He's got real defensive potential, although I don't think he's a very good defender right now, but real defensive potential. And he puts pressure on the rim because he's a really good athlete. And when he's been given time this year, he showed flashes that he's improved significantly over his first couple years in the league. A 21-year-old, hyper-athletic, multi-positional forward is like the dream player for the Blazers to acquire. The dream player. That's why so many of you jumped in the email inbox, lockdownblazerspod at gmail.com, and sent me emails. So, so, so many of you. Uh, probably six individual emails plus a couple others that were like, hey, you can talk about this on the show. Uh, but like, thanks. <laughs> I, love, I love y'all. And I love that when something exciting happens, it, it, you send me an email. That's the best place to reach me. And, 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 um, it is, it's, it's a truly enjoyable to, to, to go back and forth with folks in that space. So thanks for, thanks for sending me, uh, uh, your thoughts there. The short answer of it is that I don't think the Blazers can trade for Jonathan Kaminga. He makes $6 million, which is a big complication. And the, the, the Blazers don't have great mid-level trade like money to trade because most of their like interesting young players either don't make enough money or are it's like spoken for it's like you're not going to trade scoot henderson or whatever for um and not that he even be, would be interested but right like you the people who make sort of that mid-range money scoot henderson and sharp are not on the board you want to add to them not not trade trade them actually and then they've got vets that make a bunch of money and then they've got anthony simons who is like not appealing to specifically golden state's needs so they don't have exactly the money to make it work jonathan coming only makes six million bucks so matching that money isn't easy so the way that you would match it is to add in uh the 
three years and $90 million left on Andrew Wiggins' contract or the potentially expiring contract of, of uh, Chris Paul. So the Blazers could, is, is there a way to get creative and trade, say, Jeremy Grant to the, uh, to the Warriors for Chris Paul and Jonathan Kaminga? Yeah, yeah, that's not that hard to cook up. Not that hard to cook up and make it work for everybody financially. Um, bummer for Chris Paul. Chris Paul has a, has a fully non-guaranteed contract for next season, so he's essentially expiring money, and he's uh, just got hurt, and he's it fractured, it fractured his hand, is going to be out till after the trade deadline, so the, um, the, uh, the, the Warriors probably need another guard a little bit. A lot of Corey Joseph coming in in our future. Maybe just play Moses Moody. I don't know. Um, I guess they need other people who can dribble, and they're a little they're a little light on that. But Pods can dribble a little bit. I think they'll be fine. Um, <laughs> it's 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 not an easy match, and the complication further is that the Blazers own the Warriors draft pick this season. Do they want to make the Warriors better in order to get a slightly worse draft pick? Or would they rather say, y'all figure it out over there, and if you end up missing the playoffs and giving us another lottery pick, we're not going to be too worried about it. Like, we don't want to we don't, we don't make, make you too much better in order to end up with, say, the 22nd pick or the 19th pick in the draft when we might end up with the 7th pick in the draft. We'd rather just have, you know... Five and seven in this year's draft, and and mo- keep it moving. Then, um, you know, then in- help improve the Warriors in- for Jonathan Kaminga. Could you argue that Jonathan Kaminga is better than any player you would draft at seven or nineteen for the Warriors? Yeah, yeah, you could probably make that argument, right? And he's twenty-one, so he's not. It's like he's not wholly older than a rookie you would get last season or or, ne- or for next season. Excuse me. So, like, I can see the appeal. But it also means if I can see the appeal and you, dear listeners, can see the appeal that Jonathan Jonathan Kuminga is going to have interest, right? And if the Warriors really wanted to trade him, they would have suitors beyond what the Blazers can offer. And the Blazers don't have, um, like I said, don't have super enticing parts or good money. The money is the real problem for for the Blazers. They don't have good money to send back that makes it easy. It's just they don't have that. They don't have that simple player making seven million bucks that like, hey, they trade. They traded Nazir Little, right? They they don't have that necessarily. And then it's like, what do the Warriors want for coming? They they probably want a vet who can help them win because they're trying to be good right now. Well, that gets into the money and the complications, and that gets to the actual logic of the situation. Mark Stein, in a, in a newsletter he wrote today, the Stein Line uh, on January eighth, he published this actually yesterday. When you're listening to this. Um, Subscribe to Stein's Substack. It's really good. It's it's an essential sub Substack. There aren't uh, there aren't a ton of them, but his is one of the essential Substacks. The rest you can find right here on the pod. I will I'll subscribe so you don't have to. But Stein is is he's he's really good at this, and he says that that that, that, that he reports that the the Warriors are probably more open to not trading Jonathan Kaminga. But trading the guy that he doesn't play well with, and that's one of the big issues here. He just doesn't fit well with Andrew Wiggins. They haven't gotten much out of that duo together. So playing those wings together hasn't worked out. And so then they keep having to make decisions of who they're going to play at the end of games. And it's always going to be Clay Thompson. So then it's Wiggins or Kaminga. And it's often been Wiggins, and hence Kaminga's frustration, wanting out and saying that he doesn't trust Steve Kerr to be the steward of his career or whatever it might be. But according to Stein, they don't want to trade Kaminga because they also know that he's 21 and enticing. They would be much more open to trading Andrew Wiggins and his 30 million his 90 million dollars 30 million a year 90 million dollars in three years left in his contract good luck um salary dumping Andrew Wiggins might be proof challenging we'll see you know if there's more buyers than sellers we'll see would someone take on um Wiggins money for the right type of sweeteners yes 
they absolutely would. Do the Warriors have those type of sweeteners to make it happen? Maybe. Not clear. Depends on kind of what, what teams want. But um, that's, it just seems like the Blazers are unlikely suitors for Kaminga. It seems like the, like, because they just don't have the, a great package to put, the obvious package to put together that isn't like taking on Chris Paul's money. But you could, you can debate whether you think that has value or not. Um and that Kaminga would just like they have if they could call 28 other teams, they would call 28 other teams uh, because like does does what the what the Blazers do have is they have a trade exception that they could absorb Kaminga into would giving the Warriors back their own pick this year, absorbing Jonathan Kaminga and allowing the Warriors to facilitate trades otherwise work that work in some manner. Yeah. Would the Warriors want that? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't, would they want to just straight up get off of Kaminga's money just in exchange for their own draft pick? That doesn't seem super, super appealing. Um, it's certainly that is the most realistic way that the Blazers could end up with Kaminga, is that they absorb him into in, into that trade exception and and send back a pick, send back the Warriors pick. Um, I wouldn't bet on it happening. <laughs> that seems relatively unlikely, but certainly that is a way that it could happen. Okay, let's talk Jeremy Grant, the last sort of domino in the Blazers trade saga, and the last rumor that I have milled for you on today's show. We will do that to close the show. Jeremy Grant getting traded? Let's talk about it. First, let's talk about FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Listen, NFL playoffs start this weekend, and FanDuel wants to give you some money. $150 in bonus bets when you visit FanDuel.com slash on and make any $5 bet, win or lose. Get $150 in bonus bets to play, to work with. Uh, FanDuel, super easy to use. The app is super intuitive. They got bets on everything you could want. So once you make your $5 bet, once you have a little fun watching the NFL playoffs this week and make your $5 bet, get your bonus bets. You can just use it to wager on anything. You get that in-app free money to wager on things like live in-game parlays or incredibly elaborate NFL weekend parlays, incredibly elaborate multi-sport NHL, NBA, NFL parlays. You know, just bet a dollar to win a whole bunch of money. Have the type of fun that um, legalized gambling allows you to have or bet on player props or futures bets or whatever it is. So if you want to get involved in America's number one sports book, go to FanDuel.com slash on One more time for you. That's FanDuel.com slash on. It's FanDuel, an official sponsor of the NFL. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond and you are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Talk a little Malcolm Brogdon, talk a little Jonathan Kaminga. Let's talk Jeremy Grant to finish this bad boy. JG, pretty good player. Would be really help if if Jeremy Grant gets into a complimentary role where he's not getting like four direct post ups a game to like go to work in the mid post with the Blazers. He would be like legitimately enticing because he can really shoot, he can score, he can attack in, in isolation situations, and he's a tough shot maker. And if you're if you're Offense didn't have to live or wasn't unfortunately built to live off of a diet of tough Jeremy Grant shots. And he was your fourth option or third option. And he was like this tertiary part. Really valuable. Jeremy Grant would have value to good teams. But that means the Blazers just aren't going to trade him for nothing. Um, I think it has been reported in market a couple times by, uh, by first by Sean Hyken and later by Danny Morang that like the, the Blazers aren't interested in trading Jeremy Grant. And while I believe that reporting wholeheartedly, I think that it means I read that as aren't interested in trading Jeremy Grant unless. Uh, 
And unless is that is that sweetheart offer, right? Is the you know two first round picks and something. You start, you get that call for Jeremy Grant, and you do it in a heartbeat. The Blazers would not hesitate, or at least from I'm not reporting that my speculation, um, wouldn't hesitate for two first round picks and and, a, and an interesting young player for Jeremy Grant in a heartbeat. You're just not getting that deal. You're not getting that deal for Jeremy Grant because he's not that type of player. But like. The Blazers aren't in a rush to trade Jeremy Grant. If you're a long-time listener to the program, you know that I have been speculating this since the beginning of the season, that, that that Grant is not a player that they would rush out to trade after they sign him with that contract because there isn't there's not like if you trade Jeremy Grant, there's like this young starting player waiting behind him to play. Jabari Walker is an interesting young player, but he's not quite there yet as NBA starter, and he might never be an NBA starter. He's, he's good, probably going to be a long-term, really solid role player in the league, but you know, he just the offense for him just isn't quite there yet on on that level, and the Blazers at they don't need to be like they're already pretty bad as is, right? Like you've watched them play, you've seen the record. They don't need to like they don't need to get rid of Jeremy Grant's money in order to maximize losing, right? They're going to be the sixth worst team in the NBA. Just if they, if they stand here and do nothing, they'll probably be the sixth worst team in the NBA. So like. There's no tanking incentive, and there's no like roster necessarily like roster incentive clear the clear the way with, by trading Jeremy Grant like there is for Brogdon where there's obviously like playing time crunch. There's just not that much incentive to trade Jeremy Grant immediately. If the Blazers get a good offer, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but if 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 it's not there, it seems obvious that they can just wait. He's under contract for four more seasons after this one. He hasn't. He's, he's yet to celebrate his thirtieth birthday. Um, he's not ancient. He's older, but he's not ancient by any means. And he's like, he can still really shoot it. He's still going to be, you know, long and helpful to some other team in the future. Like he's got, he's got the sort of positional length that you want. Um, he just doesn't rebound. <laughs> So if you have rebounding short up a little bit, or you can, um, or if you're using him in a different role where it's not going to be like, hey, he has to start at point guard and play all, or start at power forward and play all these minutes, and we're going to get killed on the glass, you can figure it out. Or there's there's uh, there's been some teams that have been decent with um, leaning on offense recently on championships and and. Um, Offense wins titles in the modern NBA. It's it's flipped after the last few years, um, and. Get Jeremy Grant. If a good team juices juices their lineup with Jeremy Grant's offensive production, they that might put you over the top. So, sure, I think we'll hear more Jeremy Grant rumors, including this one from Shams Tarani, who reported today uh, on January 8th that, that Dallas had kicked the tires on Jeremy Grant, but the asking price was too high. And the good thing about doing this program and having access to the Locked On uh, Network is that I already did this show. Friday show. If you listen, if you're an everyday listener to the program, I had uh, a, we did a crossover episode with Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavs, and we opened the show with ten minutes of talk on what a Jeremy Grant trade would look like to the Mavs. And I mentioned right there as we kind of walked out through the specifics is that the Mavs just don't have great stuff to trade. They only have one first round pick available to trade, and they just don't have like a lot of intriguing players. So. It's like to make the money work. It's the Blazers have to take back Maxi Kleba or Rashawn Holmes or or uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Some combinate some two two of those three players almost certainly have to come back in the trade. And then it's a young player. Is is it Josh Green and his contract or is it Olivier Maxson's Prosper? For if Blazers, I ask for both. I say, oh Max and Green, please. I'll take I'll take one Olivia Maxson's Prosper and one Josh Green and one of the big contracts. Call it uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. off your off your hands for your problems and and uh, you can also throw in a lightly protected first round pick because you only got one to trade and that's what I want for Jeremy Grant and the Mavs say nope 
Nope. And you keep it moving because that's going to be the ask. It's not salary of relief in a couple second round picks. Like the Blazers, maybe they get down the line. Maybe they end up trading Jeremy Grant in two years for salary relief in a couple second round picks. And you say, wow, why didn't they move sooner? And sure, we'll have that conversation when we get there. Um, assuming that I'm still talking into this microphone or a new microphone, but this podcast. But for now, I don't think there's incentive for the Blazers to rush out and make that trade. So it's like teams are going to have to blow them away. And if the Mavs did their due diligence and said, um, hey, it's not that's too much. And the Blazers said, cool, too much is what we're asking for right now. Then you keep them moving. You, 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 you value your players at a certain level and you don't make trades without valuing them at that level. I think that's sort of been Cronin's MO, um, except when he first got the job and he just decided to tear it down at all costs and just started trading people for salary relief. When he's cycled out of that to this next um, next sort of place, he's he's kind of clearly said, Josh Hart is a, you know, for, for CJ McCollum, we want a first round pick and we want, uh, you know, young young veterans. For Josh Hart, we want a protected first round, first round pick. Like he's, he's this... That's the price. Let's move forward with it. Um, I, and I think that's kind of how he'll approach it. Whether Joe Cronin can use that approach to build a really competitive roster, that's the point of the next several seasons. But for now, I think that is a pragmatic approach uh, to take with Jeremy Grant. Uh, two, two more things before we get out of here. One, I want you to consider why the Dallas tried to trade for Jeremy Grant and Pascal Siakam, which is in that same report from Shams Charania. Why would that report be out here right now? You think that helps uh, maybe certain stars in the Dallas Mavericks organization feel more comforted that their team is doing everything they can to improve the roster? You think that adds a little comfort to uh, to a certain Slovenian playmaker? I do. <laughs> I think maybe that's why that report's out there. But think about that. Why are these? Why are the rumors out there? Who does it help? Um, I'm not going to walk you through every one like I just walked you through that uh, that Mavericks report. I'm not going. No, this is not. This is only a light handholding podcast. Uh, but today we're doing a little heavy heavier handholding. I want you to consider that all we all month long as we head up to the trade deadline. And two, the Blazers are primed to make a deal. They are primed to make a deal. They have waived two players to have only 13 players in the roster. They have to add a 14th person. Like they're going to do something. They're going to do something. So it's it's coming. Like what and it's certainly going to be a Malcolm Brogdon trade at some point. But I think um to to consider when you're thinking about fake trades for the Blazers, think about what would the other team want from the Blazers and what would the Blazers want from them? As opposed to just Jonathan Kaminga shiny new trade, it's like hard to pull those trades off. Think about them both directions. I think that's that that's the key. Remember what remember why stuff comes out this time of year, and think about what the Blazers would want in trades. Those are my two caveats uh, as as we get out of here. Um, how about we come back tomorrow and do it again? How's that sound? Uh, Blazers play the Knicks on Tuesday evening in Madison Square Garden as Game Five on their seven game trip. Uh, we will recap everything we see in that one right here on the show more shows this week it's what we do five days a week wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube i appreciate you listening i'll talk to you soon